Hi there, this is Robin from More Than Mothering, and you're listening to episode 22 with Katie. Welcome to the More Than Mothering podcast, where we highlight admirable moms in every stage and with all different experiences and skill sets. We believe moms are the experts in their own home, and we can all learn and be inspired by each other. Katie and I have been friends for a long time, but we've only kept in touch over the last 10 years by Facebook. I knew briefly that she had had triplets and even knew that she had had more in her pregnancy, but had not been able to carry all of them to term. But Katie was the one that reached out to me, saying that moms of multiples don't get to tell their stories very often, and she would like to be interviewed. So I reached out, and I had no idea the education that I was in for. Okay, we are recording. Perfect. Um, okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm with my friend Katie. Katie's married to Matt. They've been married for a little over seven years. And she's a mom of four, all under four years old. Um, her oldest is about to turn four, and then she has triplets that just turned one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk mostly about the triplets today, but um, first, I know that you had your oldest through fertility treatments. Um, tell me a little bit about that process of, uh, of using fertility and, and how, how much work it took to get her here. So she actually was, we weren't planning to have kids for a while. We were planning, I was going to go back and get my master's. And long story short, I had a hospital stay that involved some lot of testing and they found a few like markers, I think is the word they used. And they recommended I see an OBGYN. And when I went into the OBGYN, she didn't all She's like, oh yeah, you have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, some of these symptoms line up to this. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But she's like, I have a concern now. It looks like if you want to have kids, I think your timeline's going to be bumped up by years. And so that's kind of where it all started. It wasn't just really like, oh, we want kids. Hmm. Sounds horrible to say, but, you know. So I feel like for me, it was Heavenly Father's way of saying, look, I know this is in your future. We've got to bring it down. And I've got to, I have to have somebody else tell you to get in there. Hmm. That's kind of where it started from. And then... She, we just started a few, um, testing and they noticed a few, not like huge things, but it's just like, oh, that could make it harder. And so we started the process. And so you always start with timed intercourse. So it's with an ovulation drug, a trigger drug, and then timed intercourse. Well, Matt's brother announced that he was going to get married and his parents were going to fly us out on the week we were supposed to have everything happen. (laughs) <laughs> and we've already paid this money. And the doctors were like, we're just going to roll, roll you into IUI. We feel bad for you. <laughs> we're not going to have you do this in a hotel with your grandparents. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> like, because it's not happening. <laughs> and then we ended up getting pregnant with Oakley. Wow. So that was kind of fun. And I think for me, good, because it allowed me to see an end in sight that if we were going to do it again, I would have the fight in me. Yeah. But to be honest, we weren't planning to have more kids. We, we thought she'd be the only one. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's my next question. You had your oldest. And then how old was she? Tell me about the process of deciding that your family wasn't complete. Um, so I was really sick on my pregnancy, like to the point I had a Zofran pump. 
I think I lived in the hospital. It was bad. Like it was one of, it, I remember a doctor coming in saying, you have like what you, you're at the level of Kate Middleton. I don't know if you want more kids. And I was like, no, shoot me now. Um, so I ended up actually getting pregnant naturally, not long afterwards, not knowing. And we made it pretty far. I didn't even know I was pregnant. I just went in for um, a test and they were like, oh, by the way, I was like, oh, what? Like, but the baby's dead. So you need to immediately go to a DNC because you're too far along. Oh, wow. And then that kind of drove the factor to Heavenly Father, like, okay, why? Why did this happen? Why? And basically the answer I got was, you have more children. You need to decide, but don't be selfish. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It's still on me to decide. So I think that was it. And I had to go see the specialist right afterwards. And she kind of looked at me and she goes, you know, I think it wouldn't harm you. She goes, I think you should try. Give every fight in you. And then in 10 years, if you don't have more kids, you'll never regret anything. And for her to say that, I think resonated more than somebody else saying that because she watches these people every day. You know, they come in or they come in five years too late or whatever the situation. So she sees that drive in women, but then she also sees the hurt. You give every, it's anything you do in life. You give all you can to it. You will have no regret, Mm -hmm. no matter the outcome. And I think that's why we did it. So we, we just felt like we needed to start the process. A new job fell in our lap that would pay for it. Not like insurance, but the salary increase would pay for it. And we felt like this was Heavenly Father saying, okay, go for it, go fight. And so that's kind of where it came from. So how old was your oldest at that point? So when we, from the miscarriage to Oak, to starting again, I don't remember. I just know the babies would have been 13 months apart. That's all that I kept thinking. No, 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 I'm not doing this. Well, Irish twins. So, um, so did, were you and Matt really on the same page with that? Did you have similar feelings about adding more kids or not? Or, or was that a, a major point of discussion for you guys? As long as it was a main point of discussion, but there were discussions. I think Matt felt safe in both decisions but in the end Matt's like you have to make the call you're the one carrying the kids he's like there's only so much I can do you know he goes I can work and have insurance and provide the drugs if you get sick but there's only you're still home alone with the baby or I was nannying at the boy you know with the two kids like so I feel like for him he wanted more kids but he would have been just as fine without it because he's like you have to make the final call it's your body so did so, you appreciate having that final say or was that harder to have the pressure for me I think it was easier because you know I don't know how much you know about the fertility world your husband can't usually go to all the appointments and right. if he does cool I wonder what job that is um so I think for me it was better because I'm the one talking to the doctors I'm the one getting the side effects and what could happen where it could go wrong so it's easier for me to digest all that. And yes, I could relay it to him, but you're still relaying it. You're not in the medical profession. You're going to mess up something. You're going to forget something. So for me personally, I appreciated it. And it also, to me, showed me that he respected who I was and respected my final call because I'm the one doing this. Yeah. You know, so I don't want to say it was harder, but I mean, it could be for a lot of women. I could see that. Sure. 
you know, you want somebody else to make the final call. So it's just easier. <laughs> I like that in other things in life. <laughs> I think that's my personality. I'd rather, I'd rather have to blame somebody else than myself. Um, but that's neat that you felt like that was empowered from him. That's really cool. Okay, so so tell me about finding out that you were pregnant with multiples. What was that experience like? I don't remember my exact feeling, to be honest. I remember certain parts that's just comical. Like, you, you shouldn't remember those things. <laughs> I remember going in, and I had my nanny. No, I had Oakley, because I talked to my nanny family. And the grandma's like, I'll just take... Oh, no, I did have him, because grandma got sick. And they were fine with him coming with me. And they were a great family. Do not get me wrong. Like their kid was awesome. And I remember they were playing their game. And then, so it's a research hospital. It's a big university research level hospital. So residents everywhere. So the resident comes in, this cute, skinny man, young. And he's like, I'm so excited for this. And I'm like, mm, okay, that's weird. Um, and he was doing the ultrasound. And I felt so bad because the doctor's like, move, move. And I thought he did something wrong, which, you know, Okay. And she goes, okay, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, okay, she's telling me there's nothing there or it didn't happen, you know, on and on. She goes, I see heartbeats. And I'm like, sweet twins. And she's like, I see five. Now, please remember, this is a transvaginal ultrasound. (laughs) So she's like, I need you to stop shaking. And I'm like, "Uh, that's not going to (laughs) happen. I remember going, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then she asked a question or two. I can't remember. And then I just said, the room's getting really hot. And she's like, what? Like, the room's getting really hot. And she's like, I think you're in shock. And I'm like, well, I think I'm in shock from the number you just said. <laughs> and then, you know, she goes, okay, well, I am a little concerned. You know, they give you the whole spiel. And they're like, come back in 10 days. So we have a better, usually they bring you back within like five days. I want you to come back in 10 days so it allows more growth. I can get in there better. I can schedule a second ultrasound so we can have somebody on top with another one, you know, making sure they get everything. I'm like, okay, thanks. And then I just remember walking out. I think people thought I miscarried because I must have been wider than it goes because people are like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, okay. I just kept walking. <laughs> oh my goodness. I do remember. I remember getting to, um, the car because you had a valet car and the guy's like they get to know you let's be honest and the guy's like I'm so sorry and I'm like okay (laughs) say anything I was like just let me out of here so what did Matt say so I couldn't get a hold of Matt because he was at a job that wasn't the best family friendly they're not a bad company at all just so I knew he was in meetings with those that team of bosses so there was no way I was gonna risk that and I was like, what am I going to do? So I called my mother-in-law immediately because I'm like, I have to tell somebody or I'm going to explode. Right. And so I called her and she's like, oh my God, it must have been the face, the look on my face. Cause she was like, is everything okay? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I think she was like, no one says that. So I told her and then, um, this is the funniest part out of the whole thing. <laughs> I didn't know my father-in-law was working from home. They are a great couple, and I guess she slid a note to him, and he was on a call, and said that Katie's ha- um, has five babies inside, and I guess he lost his train of thought and was like, uh, I, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm done, guys. 
<laughs> just hang up the phone. Okay. Yeah, he was like, uh, yeah, I'm done. Like, peace. Like, you know, kind of like, I think he stayed on the call, but still, it was, it was comical. So his work found out before Matt, because he was like, nothing's wrong, guys. Just, I got shocked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, and then I think I called my parents. I don't, they're teachers. I don't remember if I waited to call them or not. I don't, but I remember the next person I called was a close friend that was going through fertility that got some pretty bad news actually the day before. And so I called her and I was like, I need you to know where I stand. Here's what's going on. I need you to start processing it. So when you can, you know, figure out how you feel, because in that, I didn't want jealousy to take over on her. Sure. And then I just texted Matt and I was like, Hey, when you get a chance to call, call. And I don't remember if he called or he had to wait till he got home. Oh my god! I can't remember, but my nanny family found out next because I called them. I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> She's like, just turn on movies. I won't be mad. Oh my gosh! So did it did end up being five babies? In six. I thought, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, when we came back, Matt came to that appointment. Okay, that's he called out sick. Okay, and so they found out then there were six heartbeats. Yeah, valid, correct? All valid. Yep. And so, but then you ended up with triplets. So tell me, tell me about that process. So there's a lot behind the stories. And so when you sign up, especially on a research level fertility clinic, you you do sign some rights away. So in certain situations, you automatically have to have certain tests done, whether insurance will pay for it or not. And that's what happened in this situation. So when we got out of the appointment, the doctors had come into my office I want to rerun this panel because, you know, it only spit out like if you passed or fail. I need the exact number of what your blood volume is, something else. There's three things. And if you fail all three, then you have to go to a natural reduction. Okay. You don't get a choice. Um, and basically, I failed all three. So meaning I would never make enough blood for them or me. So at some point, we would die. Um, and then there was something else and then I don't remember the other two. And so what happened is, and they contacted, there's only four places in the United States that does natural reduction and natural reduction happens for anything and everything, um, which I didn't understand. And so we ended up deciding on Washington, University of Washington, okay. because they are actually the leading university in this new think like they instead of cutting open they could just do a quick procedure okay and then you had family there all those kind of things and so they scheduled the appointment and then we I flew out and I was in Washington for a while because you have to they put you on blood thinners they fly you out you have to go off the blood thinners you do the appointment and then you can't fly again until you're in a safe zone again sure. so that's kind of what happened there um it is hard especially when I didn't really know where I laid on it the church laid on it um, we ended up meeting with our state president and he had actually, um, like the week after, so we met with him the week after, I guess he met with somebody in the quorum of the 70 and asked them for information, something on it. And then he met with, he said, here, this just tells me the church is true. They were saying that in these situations, it's heavenly father's plan, but also why would heavenly father not put on a medical profession in a safe environment this procedure it's like organ transplant he's like appendix surgery why was that put in somebody's head at some point to save us 
And then they basically just said, you know, your life's in danger and it's not an abortion. Cause that's what I was worried about. Sure. Like it's not, they're like, it's a, it's natural reduction or natural selection, depending on what part of the country you're in. Um, so it's kind of interesting to learn that of the church, you know, seeing that side. Yeah, I bet that was a huge comfort to you guys. That's incredible. Yeah, and it was also like a testimony of comfort that, you know, they truly like love us and they truly like protect us. Yeah. So that's kind of where that happened. And then, yeah, I went out to Seattle, um, the doctor's a who, and basically what happens is he says, when we get here, they just do a lot of rigorous testing and they look for different things or um, the persistence of the baby because, you know, they don't want to go near the uterine artery, sure. you know. Thank you. They don't want to take a baby from the cervix because um, a live tissue is a better barrier than a dead tissue. And then I did not know this. It takes a lot of testing and ultrasound, but I guess they can look for Down syndrome markers. Hmm. I didn't know that. Um, It has something to do with the fluid in the neck. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Luckily, all the kids passed, so they just went off of location, um, which I kind of like that the doctor chose. You know, you're not like, "Mm -hmm," you know. Right. But what we found out in the ultrasound was they all had an identical. Oh, wow. And they had twin to twin. So they, that's what they did. And so they just took the, the sick twin, basically. Oh, wow. And I didn't learn that till later on until close to delivery when a doctor came in and was rereading all the charts to start preparing for the C-section. And he's like, did you know? And I'm like, no. I just thought they took the ones from location. He's like, yeah, but actually, so that's kind of a fun information to learn. So they probably wouldn't have survived Hmm. because at that amount of babies, they can't go in and actually correct the full twin to twin. It's too dangerous. Interesting. Yeah, it was. I was like, that was kind of fun. So when you think about your role as a mom, do you think of yourself as a mom of seven? that those three are still your babies or oh, yeah 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 it's like somebody asked or like would you have more kids and I'm like you count everything I've ate that will be in heaven at some point that's enough yeah like I mean I do firmly believe that they just needed their body you know they've done all the work they just need a body yeah. and I'm happy to ha- give that to them you know it was my privilege I mean I watched a good friend just recently have a baby die in birth and to see that was hard, but also to watch them be so grateful that they were given the opportunity to give her the body. And I kind of had to reevaluate my thought and be like, that's right. I should be grateful. Hmm. That's so a, I thought that was a way to look. You know, that's really yeah. Cool. I mean, there's is the extreme story, but still. Yeah. You'd never, you'd never wish that on anyone, but, but that's such a, a peaceful way to look at it that you you did your part in giving them a body and mm-hmm. you really believe you'll see them again so that's well that's the thing and I mean earth is just temporary sure I mean as hard as death is I mean this is like the smallest thing we'll probably do in time <laughs> right yeah. uh, it feels like every day long So tell me about, um, so once then the natural, natural reduction, right? That's what you said. Once natural reduction has happened and you have these three fetuses inside of you, 
um, to carry to hopefully as far as you can, I would guess. What at that point were medical concerns for you um, and for the babies? What did the rest of the pregnancy look like? Um, preterm labor. Okay. Outside of just carrying triplets, preterm labor. But once you have those kind of procedures, preterm labor is um, a concern. Um, and then when you're carrying multiples, you're at an increased risk of bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections. I never got a yeast infection, but I got BV quite a bit and that can cause labor. Oh, wow. So they're pretty, you know, if you, if you won't, I mean, you, you lived at the doctors, let's be honest. Um, if you had any symptoms of anything like a backache, it hurt to pee, it, you know, well, you're not having intercourse because you're put on pelvic rest, like anything like that, they automatically checked for those two things because they are concerned of it causing preterm labor. Well, I think in a singleton, they wouldn't. I mean, maybe they do, but but they just do a lot of ultrasounds. They watch growth, um, fluid, making sure, you know, your cervix isn't shortening, all those kind of things. Um, otherwise, it's a pretty, I mean, normal pregnancy in the way of, you don't have pre, I didn't have preeclampsia. I didn't have gestational diabetes. I didn't have any of that. Um, I mean, I was on a lot of nausea medication, so I pretty much just stayed on the couch. Um, but about 16 weeks, they pretty much said, I want you in bed as much as possible with your legs up because we started to notice, um, movement and they were starting to get concerned. I'd come in and my cervix would stay high and all that, no dilation, but they would notice the contractions were too could have led to an active labor contraction. Okay. Um, so luckily they stopped that until 27 weeks. Wow. And that's when things picked up. So did you deliver at 27 weeks? I did not. So I got really lucky. Emberly, my friend's watching them because they're being, they would not go down for now. Oh, it was like World War Three trying to do that. Um, so Baby B, my little Emberly, who's a spitfire, she, um, I had told the doctors for two days, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. Like, I can't sit, I can't pee, I can't lay down, I can't do anything. They're like, well, yeah, like, you're carrying three kids and you're full term, like, get over it. And I, I don't remember why, but I finally said, I'm coming in, like, there has to be something more because this is a normal thing. And I went in and they did an ultrasound, like, they're fine. And no matter what, I think they do this all pregnancies, but guaranteed for carrying twins or more, they will automatically put you on the contraction monitor. And they were noticing contraction. I'm like, well, duh, I've been having them for a month or 10 weeks, you know, since 16 weeks. And um, basically, the, um, the doctor came in and she's like, okay, we'll let you go home, but we have to do a cervical check to leave. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I will never, ever forget her doing a cervical check, looking at the nurse looking at the other nurse saying, I need the NICU team, and she's a five. It's go time. And I remember going, what? <laughs> Everybody was like, huh? Oh, my gosh. So they that's when the room got busy. I don't I don't remember a lot. I remember them come. I already had the IV in. They were coming to start another one. But they bring in that shot that's for lung development. And I didn't think that need, that's like the longest needle in your life. So if any of your friends have it and people say it doesn't hurt, they're lying. They are cold face <laughs> goes in your butt and it's in like an oil. Oh. And so I just remember the nurse walking in and being like, where is that going? And so I think I directed all my attention to her because I was like, no, I don't know about this. 
<laughs> I don't remember much happening other than them saying, okay, we're starting magnesium. You're going to feel like you have the flu. No, I got hot. Like I thought lava was poured on me. Oh my gosh. I felt fine other than lava being poured on me. And then they, you know, they just started flooding the IVs and they gave the injection. They gave something else. I don't remember what. And basically it was a minute by minute thing and then turned to hour by hour. And then they just put me on very, very strict bed rest for a while. And so I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. Couldn't sit up. I had to be at an incline at some point because I didn't want any pressure. And I'm like, this is going to suck. Oh my gosh. And then they just kept me on the high risk floor for a week until the doctor said, I think she's okay to go down to antipartum. And then that's where I stayed. Wow. Yeah. And how many weeks were they when you delivered? 33. 33. You made it to 33 weeks. Oh, I was determined to tell the one doctor. I'm like, mm-mm. So they were going to do a C-section at 36, and so I was like, yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> nope. Then they do it. They usually do it at 35. And then mentally, I was going downhill. I mean, you lock anybody on a bed rest, give them medication that has horrible, it's not going to go well. And then one of the doctors said, you deliver me at 34 in one days, and I thought I'd kiss him. <laughs> and then there was a doctor. I trusted her, don't get me wrong. I didn't care for her because of how she treated me the first day I came in. Um, I didn't tell the nurses that I was having contractions. And you had twice a day monitoring that could take three hours each. And so I waited till she went off shift. And then I told the nurses, and that doctor came in and was like, You're done. Mentally, you're done. I'm not going to give more drugs to you. Let's just deliver. I have no, pl no one's on the books right now. I can spend time. I'm awake. And I'm like, yep, let's go. Mm. So they were born at 33. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so you, you had so much experience with medical personnel throughout that, that whole time. You spent so much time in the hospital and in Seattle and, all these different nurses and doctors. Um, would you say overall that experience was really positive or did you feel like you had to advocate for yourself so um, because they didn't listen? I think I, they were pretty positive. In that side of the field, it's high risk and the nurses are trained in high risk. And I think they can't be, you know, rude they can't be and they also I mean near the end I started to get really snappy with them like they'd make I'm like no I'm not doing that I found out from the doctors that I don't have to do that um and I also think that was some of the drugs because I learned, learned that some of the side effects was like um well not anger but very much like you couldn't control what you were feeling okay but I mean and they see some really bad things these nurses and doctors see horrible things. So they're going to do everything in their power to make sure to never see that either. And a lot of times they have to play that mental mind game with the patients, be kind, work with them, not be afraid to ask for help. Like I had a baby that they could never get on the monitor, but one of the nurses was really good. And she's like, Hey, I need you. I'll go do yours. You do this. one." Mm -hmm. So I think that helps. And then, you know, something drove them to go into high risk. You know, they just didn't want to say, I want to be high risk. Something in their life, drove them there one lady had a NICU baby and it made her change her career field in nursing like yeah so that's what I noticed and 
the other thing too, I think a lot of people forget when you start getting into the specialty field, these doctors aren't going to have the best bedside manner because they are so bloody smart, (laughs) you know? So if you go in knowing that, that you have somebody that knows their crap, can save your life, that not make it harder, I'll give up bedside manner. I mean, as long as they're not rude, but you know. But they might be a little more blunt. And they're going to be more blunt. And you're going to have a ton of residents. And residents are like the sweetest people because they're so terrified. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, they're hilarious. But yeah, I mean, so I think on that side, I mean, I looked at Oakley's birth and it was horrible. And it's just because they're like, yeah, this is my job, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? But when you go to the high risk side, you're like, okay, they're, you know. Mm-hmm. So... That's really neat. So um, you had a two-year-old when the babies were born. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, so tell me about, you know, living in Seattle, being on bed rest, and then bringing home triplets. How do you mother a toddler when you're trying to keep yourself and three babies alive? So... At least last one I delivered at, they made us sign something saying that we would have help at some level. Either we'd pay or somebody would be there. When you hit a certain point of hospital bed rest, the doctors really kind of almost shove down your throat. Not like, not meanly. They want somebody living in with you because you are going about to go through a massive surgery. You've lost all of your muscle tone. Going upstairs is going to be dangerous. All these things. So for me, I had that. And then I also had preemies, so they wouldn't be coming home. I knew when they were born that I'd be going home without them. So for a mom that, you know, could bring her baby straight home, I could see that as a problem. But for me, we my mom flew in right after school and stayed. Um, so we only had a couple people in the church watch Oakley. And then I came Oakley would visit every night as much as possible. And that was more for me than her, I think. And then, um, you know, when I came home, the babies weren't there. And then they came home one at a time. Well, Hiram came home and then the girls came home a week later. Okay. So I think for her, there was, um, like, Oh, there's one baby, but she knew there was three babies. So she was very confused. Like, why is this one here? (laughs) You know, and she couldn't go into the NICU. So, you know, I don't know to her when she did go to the NICU and I would go, there's a massive play area. So, I mean, I think kids are pretty resilient. I mean, older kids, maybe there'd be a problem. She didn't really know what was going on. really knew. Gotcha. So... Kind of, and then we had help. Well, I feel like with my kids, whenever there's a change in schedule or, you know, we come home from vacation, they're nightmares for like a full two weeks until we get back into the rhythm. I can't even imagine what an upset this would be for a two-year-old to have her world turned upside down like that. So did you notice any kind of behavioral, was it, did she give you any kind of difficulty in adjusting to new life? No, she had grandma, and then she had grandma, and then she had grandpa. Okay. Grandma was there. Next grandma was there for six weeks. Next grandpa was there for five, five or six weeks. She have attention. So she had all the attention. Um, 
she was pretty, I mean, she didn't have a schedule. I mean, she couldn't with all the doctor's appointments. So I felt like leading up her schedule was so screwed up. Yeah. Nap was at 11 one day, nap was at two the next. Like, I mean. Sure. So she just had to be a spontaneous, flexible kid. That's Yeah. Yeah. So kind of worked out. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. Um, okay, so I've I've talked to a couple women who are mothers of multiples, and all of them seem to say, I don't remember the first year hardly at all. The first year is an absolute blur. So you've just finished the first year. Are you feeling like it was a fog <laughs> that you're coming out of, or is it near enough that you still... I think... I get where they're coming from, forgetting the first year. I feel like for me, I won't forget as much because we were on the go so much. Okay. Because I had to travel those appointments left and right with the move was pretty, not traumatic, but it was enough to like vividly remember things. Yeah. You said you moved when the babies were five months, right? Yeah. And I, yeah, Matt had to leave for job and I was stuck behind. Oh my gosh. Um, so there's that, but I think for me, a lot of moms told me that. And so like even the smallest things, I just took a video or I would do that and I'd go back and that's how I remember them. Cool. Cause there is a ton of moms above me that have multiples. I'm like, yeah, try to remember everything. I'm like you're not getting <laughs> sleep. That's not going to happen. Right. But yeah. And I don't, I mean, there are pe- I don't know where the shift happened, at least in Texas. People are like, oh, I don't like when people say the word, I'm just surviving, or I survived the first year. I'm like, sometimes it is survival for singletons or multiples. Like, let them say that. It's okay. It's okay. They should be glorifying in their celebration they're alive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so Katie and I are friends from a previous life. And, uh, and you actually reached out to me when I started more than to, to, uh, to offer yourself as an interview, um, as someone who has experienced multiples. And, uh, what you said to me was there are no resources for moms of multiples. So what do you wish there was for, for moms of multiples? That's a good question. Um, I'm not asking for books. I'm not asking for blogs. I think I wish more people were open with their situations and telling people it was hard. You know, twins, especially when you hit the outnumbering number or the triplets, quads, quints, because those pregnancies are way different. But just, there's no taboo subjects. You know, there there's a few triplet moms I know and they're meeting newer triplet moms and they're so reserved and they're getting anxiety or they're like, Oh, my marriage is suffering. Cause you know, my husband's and I aren't intimate. And we're like, we all were there. Talk to us. Like it's not taboo. So I think for me, people just being open and not being afraid. Like if somebody judges you, they're not your friend, walk away mm-hmm. or tell them and be like, this isn't your place. You have no right to say that. Yeah. You know, I think for me, yeah, a book would be nice, but I feel like a book's too black and white. Sure. You know, I think just reaching out to other multiple moms, even on Instagram and DM them and say, Hey, I'm lost. Can you help me? Um, and you know, being okay that they're probably not going to open too much until they kind of vet you, but you're not alone. Yeah. You know, find your tribe. 
I cannot say that enough. Like I got lucky that I found a few triplet moms, you know, just through random, you know, things in Ohio and the group has grown, but the core of us are still really close and just cause you know, we're known each other longer and we've been closer in age, but they're your, they're your lifeline. You know, you can go to them on everything. There's no, there's no off topics. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you for being open with your story. I hope that will be helpful to someone who watches it. Um, okay. So the last thing I want to ask is, uh, is what are you loving about having triplets right now? And what are you, what milestones are you most looking forward to? So I love that we're busy. There, I mean, I do miss you don't get a snuggle, but there's always somebody there, you know, they want you, but they'll play with each other, you know, if you're holding somebody. So I love that. But for me, I actually love the noise. Mm. Crazy sound in our house echoes horribly, but I love the noise. I think it drives other people bonkers. <laughs> but I don't know. I love it. You know, if pregnancy wasn't as hard in deliveries, I could see us taking back to the temple, having more kids, but no, that, that's not, if somebody else want to do all the hard work and hand me the kid, yes, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> my body's dead. Yeah. But I love it. I mean, it's crazy. This, I'm not a super baby person. So right this age, I actually like, cause they interact, they make facial expressions, you know? Yeah. They start um, to really have a personality. Yes. And I love seeing that. Yeah. You know? No, I'm excited. They're all walking now, which is nice. I'm looking forward to more communication. Um, just to kind of see what they're thinking. Because, you know, you start to watch them, you're like, hmm, I wonder what you think of me right now. <laughs> I look forward to that. They're hitting their milestones at their corrected age or adjusted age. They're not falling behind, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, we, I mean, we had interventions. Don't get me wrong. My kid's you know, we had PT and we had speech, we had all those things, but it's nice to see that. Um, I forget sometimes they're preemies because um, they're pretty much in the normal growth chart for a normal kid. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad we're in Texas with this flu season going on, but I still have to be pretty, you know, safe. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I love it. I don't say everybody should have multiples. It is hard. You should have the personality to do it. Not going to lie. But I don't think people should ever run away from it. Hmm. You know, don't be afraid of it. Yeah. That's cool. It is fun. So I feel like for me, having three children walking at the same time would be maybe the scariest stage, but you really like that. <laughs> you like it. You can grab things. They're not as angry because they're mobile. Okay. Fair. Once they start to be more independent, then they're... They do get less angry. That's true. But, that's, but yeah, they get into more things. But Three toddlers that are toddlers. around in different directions at the same time. They usually congregate. Okay. Okay. You know, somebody, it doesn't matter if you have three toys. They want the one. So, I mean, they've, they just actually started this last week. They'll just go up to the playroom by themselves. That's fun. If I'm doing dishes, they'll just go up and I'm like, where are you? <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of nice. That's amazing. That sounds great. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for taking yeah. and telling me about your experience. This is cool.
Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to get, I told one of my triplet moms that I'm a good friend with. She uh, wants more information. She wants to do this. Oh, really? I told her it'd be really entertaining for you to get two different viewpoints. I would love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. That sounds awesome. So. Okay. Katie, are you ready for a speed round? Yes. Okay. What's your favorite sound? Surprisingly, it's the kids. <laughs> What's your least favorite sound? I hate, hate the sound of echoes. Oh, didn't you say your house echoes a lot with your noisy children? We haven't put up anything yet. We <laughs> <laughs> have it still fully moved in. <laughs> You've been a bu busy, that's fine. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite word? I don't know if it's my favorite word, but I say it all the time. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you, uh, what do you know? I know quite a bit about um, biology and just because I've read up on it for fun. So some fun things like that. Cool. And I know a lot about speech therapy now. Oh, I bet. And aspiration. I've had to learn that. <laughs> um, what do you want to learn? I actually want to learn more on how like preemies like think because they're supposed to think different, but I don't know if there's, there's not enough research. I want to know more about that and how and why. Like their communication between each other isn't just a multiple thing. It's because they had to like, rely on each other oh wow I don't think I'll ever learn that in this lifetime but I think it's intriguing oh that's very cool um Katie what scares you honestly losing my kids anything happening to them yeah you know that terrifies me I watched a good friend just say goodbye and I'm like nope I don't know how she has gratitude and joy and is staying strong I have no idea but she's amazing but nope that terrifies me. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how people do that. Tell me about a mom you admire. It's a couple. Um, a friend downstairs right now. Um, she came from, a, you know, was adopted, but has fought for each of her kids in a different way. And then um, a good friend, the one that just said goodbye to her kid, because she's the one that taught me so much about Christ's love. Mm. So not because really like her situation, but her situation opened up doors for everybody to look at it you know, we watched you, you, her, everybody's eyes were on them, unfortunately. And I felt like I took away what Christ's love was because I'm watching them. Hmm. So like intently, probably like nosy, like, and <laughs> I learned a lot. Hmm. So cool. I really look up for her for opening that up and teaching all of us moms that, Yeah. you know, I re-picked up scripture study even harder after that. And so I, I, you know, I have to thank her for, you know, her hard time, but I have to thank her for doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's incredible. Good for her to be a, a window to the Savior. That's really neat. Um, Katie, what are you good at? I'm really good at cooking bread. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Send me a loaf from Texas. Okay. I wouldn't recommend eating it, but okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. I was really amazed by the amount of painful experiences that Katie has been through and yet how willingly and capably she's able to talk through all of the details. That's just a marker of her resilience and her strength. And I'm really grateful she was willing to share her story with us on More Than. Thank you for listening to the More Than Mothering podcast. You can visit the website at morethan-mothering.com for show notes images, and the video form of this interview, as well as many other interviews with remarkable women.
if you are having a less than day i hope you leave feeling more than.